The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm looking forward to getting into the Word this morning. If you have the ability to take down some notes, I want to encourage you uh, to jot a few things down, things that may stand out to you, things that may, uh, uh, you may just have a sense that, wow, that was for me. I mean, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us in different ways, and I think it's important to make a note of those things. I think it's wisdom to do that, because uh, many times I will think, oh, no, I'll remember that, and then, of course, when I sit down and try to recall it, it's gone. Uh, so it's important to make a note of those things if you have the opportunity to. Uh, here's a few things we're going to find in the Word, and you're welcome to jot these down if you like. Items to look forward to. One, we're going to find why God will never fail you. Now, we love to say that. We talk about it. We sing about it uh, because it's very comforting. The idea that God won't forsake us or leave us or fail us, uh, it's a very comforting idea. And it, it has really been a comforting idea through much of my life, whether it be uh, with my Christianity, my marriage, my family, any aspect of my living, all of those things obviously connected and tied together. Uh, but knowing that God will never fail is important. It's really interesting to see in the scripture why he will never fail. I mean, I think that's something that's helpful to be able to acknowledge, why God will never fail. Another thing that we're going to find is what is needed to live. To live. Now, I'm not talking about what's needed to simply be alive, even though it does apply in that uh, perspective, but what's needed to live, to, to live the life that God's called us to live. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it in abundance. Now, he's saying this to people who are living. They're breathing, they have heartbeats. I mean, so he's not talking to people who are physically dead, but yet he's talking to people who are alive about having life. So what you can see here is that there are uh, things in the scripture that bring the life that we're called to live, the heavenly life that God has made a way for in Jesus, into existence in our life. And we'll see what's needed in order to live here. Another thing we're going to find is why Jesus is exalted. Now this is really interesting to me, why Jesus is exalted. We, we sing uh, of, of his exaltation, we stand upon it, uh, it is at the foundation of our worship and our praise our awareness of his uh, glory in our lives as, as king. There's a reason why he's exalted, and we'll see that in the scripture. And hopefully as we see that, it will have an effect on uh, our lives as well. So one of the things I want to find here is why God will never fail you. I want to look at that first. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn uh, to the book of Deuteronomy. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. We're just going to lay a little base here we're going to identify what we're going to be discussing. I think it's an important thing to discuss. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. It reads like this. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. Now listen to the next words. He will not fail you. It goes on to say, He won't destroy you or forget about you. He won't forget the covenant which He has sworn to your fathers. So without going any further there, I just want to stop and identify something that God has identified as compassionate, therefore the result is he won't fail. 
So when I mentioned before that we're going to find out why God will never fail you, I mean, it's very easy for us to, to get ahead of ourselves and think, well, it's because he's so powerful. He'll never lose a battle. Uh, he, he knows all things. He's, he's omniscient and all-knowing, or he's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Those things are all true. But the, the reason why God will never fail us is because he's compassionate. So this tells me something. I mean, it has an effect on my mind. I realize now the power of compassion. That as God will not fail me, he'll never leave, he'll never forsake, and all of this is because he is a compassionate God. It causes me, one, to give thanks that he's compassionate, to be mindful of his compassion, but also to desire to be compassionate myself. If compassion is the, 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 the actual catalyst for success, then I want to be a compassionate person. I want to be compassionate so that I can tell my wife, I'll never fail you. I want to be compassionate and be able to tell my sons, I'll never fail you. I want to be compassionate and be able to speak to the congregation that I'm committed to your success and will never leave you, never fail you. Compassion is at the foundation of this, this victory and this success that we all long for, desire, and give thanks for in our Christianity. What an amazing passage of scripture that God has identified as compassionate and therefore the result is the absence of failure, the absence of destruction, the absence of abandonment. It causes me to realize something when I look at our culture, our culture that is, is filled with all kinds of failures, all kinds of, of abandonments and all kinds of destruction, I have to ask myself, is there the presence of compassion? Well, when you look at, at Paul's description of the last days, you see the, the total and complete opposite of compassion. You see people becoming uh, haters of good and lovers of self and, and all of these things that are the absolute opposite of compassion. In fact, for us to know that those things are the opposite of compassion, I think it would help us to know what the definition of compassion is. I want to give you a definition. If you were to go to the dictionary and look up the word compassion, you would find the following. Compassion. Sympathetic consciousness of another's distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Sympathetic consciousness of another's distress together with a desire to alleviate it. There are some big words there, you know, sympathetic and consciousness and alleviate. Those are all really big words. Like in my world, those are, those are some, uh, you know, if I play Scrabble, I'm playing like three-letter words, four-letter words, you know. I get annihilated, which is a big word, right? Annihilated. I get annihilated by my wife when we sit down to play Scrabble. In fact, I don't sit down and play very much anymore because I, I know the outcome, right? I mean, unless I can land cat on a triple word score, I'm really not going to do very well, you know. So, so these are big words, but so let's just think about this for a second. Sympathetic consciousness of another's distress together with the desire to alleviate it. If I'm going to, to kind of simplify this and, and bring it down to a, a vocabulary that would be kind of an everyday vernacular or an everyday use of words, it would be being aware of other people's issues and challenges and desiring to help. Being aware of what is stressing other people out and also having the desire to help relieve that stress. So I see compassion as being made up of two things. It's got two ingredients. In order to have compassion, you've got to have two things. One, awareness of other people's issues. 
If I want to be compassionate toward my wife, I need to be aware of what is challenging her. If I want to be compassionate toward my sons, I need to be aware of what is challenging them. If I want to be aware, if I want to be compassionate, excuse me, of, to the congregation, I need to be aware of the challenges in the congregation. If I want to be compassionate toward you, I need to know what is challenging you. I need to be aware of that. But it's not enough to simply be aware. That's only half of compassion. The other half of compassion is then having a desire to bring relief. To be aware of the problem, to be aware of the challenge, to be aware of the issue, to be aware of the distress, as the definition would put it, and then having a desire to bring solution. That's compassion. Isn't it interesting that God is identified as compassionate? I mean, he identifies himself as that. He reveals that through the word. You'll see throughout the gospel, Jesus is moved with compassion. We'll see that here in a few moments. That, that you'll see this identification of who God is, and yet here we are created in his image and after his likeness called to do the very same thing. God is very aware of what is stressful to us. God is very aware of our problems and our challenges. He's very aware of the bondage and the affliction. He's very aware of the captivity. He's aware of all of those things. And in his desire to bring relief, he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus. It's God's good pleasure to put Jesus to death on our behalf. It's God's good pleasure to send Jesus to be the light that we need in the darkness where we sit. God is compassionate. He knows our issue, he knows our challenge, and he desires to bring relief. For us to be godly, for us to be like him, for us to walk in the calling and the anointing that we have, being made in his image after his likeness, we need to be aware of the challenges and the issues that are affecting those around us, and we need to have a heart to bring relief to those things. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about what was coming in the Middle East and Afghanistan and the need to, to intercede and the need to pray, to not feel powerless on this side of the world, but to understand that you have a call to, to bind the murderous spirit that is, is uh, got a grip on that region. And, and these are the things that need to be in our lives as we're called to be believers. Being a Christian is not just about getting your ticket to heaven having your sins forgiven. Rather, being a Christian is about carrying the ministry of Jesus Christ in and through your life. It's about a life of compassion, being aware of what's going on in other people's lives and having a desire to bring relief. Being aware and having a desire to bring relief, to be compassionate. So here's a couple of passages of Scripture for your notes, and I think these are really great passages. One you know, I can make, you know, Preston's top 10, you know, favorite passages of Scripture. And, and this one would be among those. I, I love Psalm 103. I'll give you a passage from Psalm 103. It's verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. So when I read this passage of Scripture here, I can think, well, God's being described with, with four different things. He's being described as compassionate. He's being described as gracious. He's being described as, as slow to anger. And he's being described as abundant in love. And, and I think that would be an okay way to interpret that passage of Scripture. But for today's purposes, I'd like to ask you to consider this. That God is being identified as compassionate and then a compassionate person is being described. The Lord 
is compassionate. That means he's gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness. As I have an awareness that I need to bring compassion into my life, that my life needs to be defined as compassionate, I need to be slow to anger. I need to be abundant in loving kindness. I need to be gracious. It's going to be very difficult for me to be a compassionate person if I'm not gracious, if I'm quick to anger, and if I don't have an abundance of love for those around me. If I'm stuck being selfish and angry, it's going to be very difficult to be known as or to be identified as a compassionate man. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm, Psalm 40, excuse me, verse 11. It reads like this, You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. That tells me that compassion has this preserving power, this protecting power in the middle of affliction or in the middle of trial or tribulation, that compassion can actually come in and shelter the individual who's being bombarded with negativity and depression, darkness, captivity of thought and mind and physically uh, affliction in their bodies, that compassion can come in and be a shield against all of those ailments. Preservation. I mentioned we're going to find out what's needed to live. I want to give you a passage of scripture here again from the Psalms. Psalm 119, 77. If you were to turn in your Bible to Psalm 119 and look at verse 77, you would find these words. May your compassion come to me that I may live. The psalmist being inspired by the Holy Spirit in this cry, in this prayer, in this this supplication to God makes this, this cry known. Father, I need your compassion in order that I might live. Without compassion, I'm not living life. I might be alive, but everything is is a struggle. Everything is in a state of, of darkness or depression. It's compassion that actually is the catalyst for light and everything that is the kingdom of God to function and operate in and through our lives. And the wonderful thing is, is that God, as he's identified as being compassionate, is not simply holding this as an identity because it is his name or because it is something that people have identified him by. It is indeed who he is. And when I say that, I want to break that sentence down. It is indeed who he is. It's revealed in his deeds, the things that he does. It's not simply a title that's been bestowed upon him in order to grant honor or or some position of authority. Rather, this title of compassion is an identification of the things that he does. In fact, his names are revealing of who he is. You see a handful of those in the banners around the room here. That as God has identified himself to men, he's identified not only who he is in name, but who he is in deed the things that he does. The the passage of scripture I'd like to give you here is out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and how blessed are those who wait for him. 
The reason for sharing this passage of Scripture is to, to reveal that, that the idea that God is the God of compassion or that God is a compassionate God goes beyond simply his identification or his name, but his view toward you. He has this identification because of how he feels toward you, not toward an organization or, or toward a, a demographic or, or some kind of a generic people group, but you personally and individually, this passage of scripture can be claimed by every single believer as being spoken directly to them. You could put your name in there. I could say, for the Lord longs to be gracious to Preston, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on Preston, for the Lord is a God of justice, and how blessed is Preston when he waits for God. I mean, insert name here. And it's very important for us to take the scripture and realize that this is for me. It's not simply uh, some sort of a, a righteous academic exercise in order to keep us on a right moral path. Rather, this is God speaking to you. This is his love letter to you, revealing his heart toward you, his commitment to you. The idea that he is waiting, that he is looking for every single opportunity to bring compassion into my life from him to me is exciting to me. It confirms everything that is the gospel. It just continues to reaffirm his love and his affection for me to know that he is waiting on high to bring compassion to me. I've had a number of conversations with, with men that I've worked with, or with my wife, a lot of them with my wife. Talking about things that, well, I might have messed up. Maybe I didn't make the right call. But boy, I sure had good intentions, you know. And in those conversations, they all have a, an element of peace in the end. And, and really and truly, my wife would, will confirm this. There's been a number of conversations that end with this. Even if I've made the wrong decision, I know that God is good. And that he'll work it out on my behalf. I mean, that's God waiting to have compassion on our lives. That, that even when we fail or when we mess up, he's looking at our heart, our intention, when we are attempting to accomplish his will. And we're moving in the things that we believe are pleasing to him. Even when we miss those things, it's his compassion, his graciousness, and his goodness that comes and leads us and guides us in the right direction. I mentioned to you that I really like Psalm 103. Well, Psalm 103 that identifies God's compassion toward us is, is also a psalm that contains these words. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord gives grace to those who fear him, those who revere him, those who acknowledge him, those who put him first. And I look at this relationship that God has extended to, to me personally and to every believer, and it, it excites me greatly to think that God is fathering me, that he's leading me and he's guiding me. And, and though this is something that I could understand in my youth, it is something that I understand at a greater level today now that I myself have children. And I can relate to and understand the desire to lead and to guide, the desire to, to look upon the heart and even when errors are made, when rebellion takes place or mistakes happen, to step in and intercede. Not in a domineering, controlling, or, or aggressive way, but in a way that leads and guides and corrects. 
Compassion activates something fantastic. In fact, if you, you take the scripture and you read between the lines, I think it would be safe to say that compassion activates the power of the kingdom of God, the, the miraculous. I want to give you a list of scriptures here. And it's not a, an exercise to see how fast you can write, but I want to just, just give you a list. And if you want to write them down, you can. But I'd like for them just to impact your ears. Now, this isn't even all. This is just some from the Gospels. Matthew uh, 9.36, Matthew 14.14, Matthew 15.32, Matthew 20.34, Mark 1.41, Mark 6.34, Mark 8.2, Luke 7.3. The list could continue. I want to stop there because it's just going to get monotonous after a while. But all of these passages of Scripture involve compassion opening the door for the miraculous. Compassion preceding the release of the power of God. Remember, by definition, compassion is being aware of somebody's issue and then wanting to help. Being aware of somebody's challenge and wanting to bring the solution. So here's an example like from that list, Matthew 9.36. It's, it's speaking of Jesus. And Jesus, seeing the people, felt compassion for them because they were distressed, because they were dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. That's when he begins to minister to them. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus saw them, the large crowd, he felt compassion for them and began to heal their sick. Mark 6, 34. When Jesus saw them, the large crowd, he felt compassion for them and saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I mean, as you go through these passages of Scripture, you can start to connect the dots that, that there's a cause and effect here, that compassion is the cause and the effect is the response of heaven. Compassion, being able to see that there's a need, that people need direction, people need counsel, people need guidance, the response, the wisdom of heaven, the spirit of truth, the gospel being revealed in every word that is from heaven being revealed through Jesus to lead us and guide us out of darkness and into light. Compassion being the catalyst for healing from sickness. The awareness that there is an issue. The awareness that there is a challenge. And then the heart to bring solution. I mean, the point of this message is really to stir in us something that, that should affect how we think and how we feel. I mean, when I hear the words that are being proclaimed in this message, it makes me want to have a, a, a real shift and change in, in priorities in my prayer life. Father, make me to be a compassionate man. I, I offer my life to be released in, in compassion, to, to be the catalyst for the things of your kingdom. Open my eyes to see the distress of those around me and release my hands to do something about it. Don't let me sit in, in, in inferior thinking that, that I can't do anything, but cause me to know that through Jesus, I've been equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority of the name above all names, that is Jesus, to step in and bring solution where there's distress. Don't let me be afraid by circumstances or situations. Don't let me be led by the things of this world, but let compassion make a way for your kingdom to release me to act in ministry. So I want to offer this as a thought to you as we, we close. It's what to do with your compassion. 
When we begin to pray and seek God for compassion, when compassion becomes an active part of our our pursuit, Father, open my eyes to see the distress of those around me and, and fill me with all the courage and strength that I would need to go and act. When we begin to to pursue a life of compassion, I want to offer this as a a passage of scripture uh, that might be offered as what to do with your compassion. I mentioned to you before we're going to find out why Jesus is exalted. That was one of the things that we, we talked about as we were going into the word here. You'll find why Jesus is exalted within this passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, I have quite a a, a passage here, and I want to read the whole thing to you, but I want to encourage you to read these words in your own time. I want to look at about 11 verses of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, Any affection and compassion. Did you hear the word? Compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind and maintaining the same love united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Now, I can't tell you that Paul was writing in this way, but I believe what you're going to see now is what that one purpose is. This call is if you have any compassion in your life, be intent and intentional on on living your life to this one purpose, dot, dot, dot. Now here's the purpose. Verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own interest, but look out for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which is in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God, something to be sought after, but emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, And being found in the appearance as a man, humbled himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on the cross. Now verse 9, pay attention to these words in verse 9. For this reason. Okay, so you're about to hear something that, that is the result of this attitude that Jesus has. For this reason, God highly exalted him. And bestowed upon him the name which is above every other name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. That those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If someone were to ask me, hey Preston, why is Jesus exalted? Is it just simply because he's God? Well, I think you could answer yes to that and be correct. But when I see this passage of Scripture, I see his exaltation being the result of his attitude, his heart, his heart of compassion, his willingness to not be selfish, but to consider others, his ability to be aware of the distress of those around him and not simply fixated on his own discomfort and his desire to bring solution to those who were suffering 
For you, for me, a life of compassion is one that we've been called to. And I believe wholeheartedly that as we pursue a life of compassion through our prayer, as we pursue a life of compassion through the word, that God will open the door for ministry to flow. The things that we read of will not simply be uh, things that were once upon a time, so to speak, but that we can see the things of God active in and through our lives today, here and now. Compassion. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray and I want to ask God to release compassion into our lives and through our lives. I I desire to be a compassionate people. I, I want to be a compassionate man. Based on what we read in Philippians, it was going to require the emptying of self. When we read that passage of Scripture and we identify Jesus emptied himself and he became a servant, and if we simply equate those actions to Jesus, we'll miss out that he's doing that as an example for you. He's doing it as an example for me. To be compassionate, there must be the heart that's willing to lay down self the things that would be selfish, and to be aware of those around us and committed to their success, their well-being. That is, by definition, according to what we read in Philippians, the attitude of a servant. And the call upon our lives to serve is the example that Jesus would offer when he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Compassion. To be aware of the distress of those around us and to desire to bring solution. What a wonderful thing that God would equip us with all that we need. That he would equip us with authority. That means you have the authority to act. And that he would equip us with power by the Holy Ghost. That we would never be facing a situation or a circumstance in which we could do nothing but rather we've been equipped with all that we need to bring the solution to anything we might face in this world. And it's that mentality that I want to to have strengthened in, in every believer. It's that mentality that I want strengthened in my life. And then that heart to not be so fixated on self, but to have my eyes open to those around me and my heart loosed to desire to see relief. I want to pray and ask God to bring these things into existence in me and in this congregation. And I want to trust and believe that the results will be absolutely obvious. There where you stand, you can simply be in an attitude of agreement or, 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 or simply a, an attitude of receiving. But I want to pray and I want to ask God by His Spirit to, to speak to each one of us this morning. To lead us and to guide us into compassion. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for Jesus. No matter where we are in our lives, right here and now, we ask for something great to take place. As you're leading each of us and guiding each of us, we we surrender to the leading of your spirit. Let your voice be clear. Reveal to us the call to be compassionate. Let there be the abandonment and the laying down of all that is selfish and self-seeking. Let our priorities be right. Our motives be pure. 
And let the effect be the release of the ministry of your kingdom in and through our lives. Lead us to be a compassionate people. Let our eyes be open to the hurting and the wounding that's all around us. And let our hearts be given to bring solution. Let it be loose through action and intercession. Let there be innovation and creative ways released in and through our lives to bring relief to those who are suffering. And let the end result be your name be magnified, your kingdom be expanded. We rejoice that you would choose us, that you would appoint us, that you would equip us and call us. And let the driving force of compassion be stirred within each one of us. Let the measure of compassion that we would walk in today be multiplied and magnified. Let our eyes be given to see the need and let our hearts be given to release the solution. Let us not be led by deficit or fear, but let us be led by the abundance and the courage that is your kingdom. But we thank you that we can call upon the name of Jesus. We rejoice that we can walk in the power of your spirit. We give you thanks that you would reveal to us your perfect example of compassion. And we ask that our lives take that example and begin to mirror it through our words and actions for your glory. We bless your name and we thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.